Hello everyone, I am Johnson Obamain. And I am Sei Obamainti. And we are the host of Voices of Hope podcast. Wow, how are you today? I am doing well, honey. So you know what? Yeah. it is so exciting, especially for those of us that live in the state of Texas. So coming into this weekend, you know, we have so much about the forecast and what's gonna happen, the weather and stuff. So And it did. Like, okay. Just like they said it. <laughs> okay. So, uh, you know, it's been so much a blessing, you know, especially the last two uh, podcasts. That's true. And we've not had a chance to um, recap and give the feedback, you know, to our friends, our listening audience all over the world. Um, so we're just so grateful for you. So the first recap was the one on single. And one of the major um, feedback was uh, more um, like a couple sharing that, you know, some of the things that were shared, um, could we clarify yes. in, in terms of that? Yes. And you said you yeah. would do that. Yeah, exactly. You know, especially when it comes to marriage, you know. So basically what we were trying to uh, address even in that podcast is not trying to undermine the, the the office of marriage or the institution of marriage because it's a date of God. Yes. So especially when that marriage is between a man and a woman of God, so we believe so strongly that it's not just two of them, it's three of them. Yes. And Jesus Christ being the third person in that marriage, the third God that binds us together. And also... What we promote also in this ministry also is that marriage is not an agreement. It's a covenant. Yes. So, uh, in, I mean, we just uh, we just wanted to clarify that that for the show that for that podcast was talking about singleness. Yes. Okay. So I, it's not uh, in any way. But undermining um, the institution and covenant of marriage. And we always go back to Genesis, the book of Genesis, the origin, the beginning. That's God's heart. It's a priority on God's heart. That's why he instituted um, the covenant of marriage. So we just wanted to have this time to be able to clarify quickly on that. And, you know, Paul also clarified that, you know, to some is given, they give they given the grace yes. to stay unmarried. Yes. To some, if they cannot and they don't have that grace, then, you know, they should get married. Yes. Okay? So the show was basically, that podcast was to help encourage our young people, especially in this culture that we have. So we heard the other side, and now you've heard our heart on the reason why and clarifying, yes, we are strong, strong advocates of uh, marriage. So, and then the second one was on the health care, and it has been such um, encouragement for a lot of parents um, in the last two weeks that they really appreciate the fact that um, we had Dr. Lyo um, talking on the effects of COVID and things like that in helping parents. So um, we are so blessed that you were blessed by it as well. And today we have another expert, yes. another subject matter expert, that will be talking or that will be helping us to understand the effect of pandemic on public schools and education. So 
because it is a thing. It is a yeah. thing. It is a thing. And with all what is going on, um, we want to hear, and not just an expert, but also a woman of God, filled with the Spirit of God. And she happens to be a middle school principal right now in, you know, one of our public schools. So we will be um, diving into the conversation. So let's welcome um, to Oasis of Hope Podcast, episode 37, uh, Miss Suzanne Weathers, who happens with her husband to be board members. Yes. And so she's a middle school principal, and she will be leading this discussion on the effect of the pandemic on public school and education. Welcome to welcome. the podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Shane and Dr. Johnson, for having me on the podcast today. Well, we are so excited. You know, our, our, our scripture... Um, Yes, our scriptures is Second Corinthians chapter thirteen, verse eleven, and it says, "Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice, strive for full restoration, encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you." Amen. The God of love and peace will be with us. Yes, amen. And he's with us right now, right? Yes, he is. Amen. And so with this um, 2 Corinthians 13, 11, it's our launching um, scripture into the heart of what we're going to discuss today. So we have um, two questions, and we just want you to share, and if um, there are follow-up questions, we'll ask. So this was from a parent. You know, we, we tried to pull questions that align to the topic. So the question came um, from a parent of a first grader who decided to keep the first grader at home since the pandemic started last year. So I'm guessing that first grader is no longer a first grader now, maybe second grade. And he says, um, how are the younger grades adjusting to the new reality in the public schools um, for example, you know, they can't hug each other, they can't hug their teachers, you know, things that they used to do before, they can So that was one question. Another one says, how are teachers coping with the high level of uncertainty in public schools? So just take it away and um, just um, help guide um, our audience because I know this is not just for parents as well. Yes, so this the pandemic has hit all of those all of those groups, right? So they've hit our students, they've hit our parents, and they have made a great impact on our teachers. And so I'd like to talk about the parent view um, in terms of keeping their now second grader home and how that's uh, affecting those that are back in school and actually. Um, working through this kind of new normal. Um, and there's one thing about uh, children that I just absolutely love. And the thing about children is their resilience and their resilience to change. Um, and though it's not like it always was where they may have had the freedom to share space and, 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 and interact in a more closer contact, it is the, the repetitiveness of, being, of creating those boundaries and teaching those new norms, but still keeping a community and a camaraderie with the students that they have been able to adjust so beautifully. There is something about them being able to be together that has changed the atmosphere for them. 
And so even though it's not what they're used to, this new normal has something that they haven't learned to adjust to. Um, they are finding ways to play and ways to interact that are new and different and creative, and it's allowing our schools and our teachers to come up with real innovative and creative ways for them to share learning and to share communication in a very different way. So they don't lose the community that they build at a school, but they're very mindful for the safety and the health concerns of others. So um, I feel that the resilience of children is something that sometimes we as parents and as educators sometimes forget but their ability to adapt and change and to find joy in even a new environment and a new structure um, is something that is amazing to see every day. So from what we're hearing from you now, Ms. Weathers, that means, uh, you know, for parents that are still contemplating whether or not to send their kids back to school and still hold them back, so you probably giving them that assurance that they'll probably be okay to let go at this point, at this junction. And I definitely, yes, and I definitely feel like, you know, children thrive in the learning environment, right? We, we know that there's something about that being present in a learning environment that, that um, ignites engagement and helps them more feel a part and invested in engagement. Now, I always say, and this is my caveat as a an administrator, but as a parent as well, is that parents, you have to go with the peace that you have. You know, you have to go with peace in your heart. It wouldn't do your children any good if you were, you were at work worried every day as they headed to school, or if you were at home worrying whether they were getting the education that they need. So as you're led in your place of peace, they go there. But I do, do believe in education and educational systems, being in person and there, something changes for students, and they learn so much, not just from instruction, but the community and the knowledge that is built from one another. Yeah, that's very true, the resilience of children, and I believe it's a gift that God has given to um, every single one, and children exhibit it so well. Um, because of, you know, their openness and they embrace those chains, like you said, joyfully. So, you know, you were mentioning some parents that probably, you know, might not feel at peace. So the key thing for them sending their children back or not depends on that peace that they have. Um, do they have that peace? Because, like you mentioned, if they are work and they're thinking about, you know, their first grade or their kindergarten student, and they might be thinking, oh, did somebody sneeze around them? You know, mm -hmm. just things like that, that, you know, they might think about and say, okay, when they come back, you know, um, do they have a temperature and things like that. So those are really key concerns, um, and they're real concerns um, that parents have in the midst of all of this. So thank you for addressing that. Yes, yes definitely. Okay, so uh, the, the second question she's talking about the teachers. How are the teachers coping with a high level of uncertainty in schools? You know, especially from your point of view as an administrator, you know, that have uh, teachers uh, that have to deal with these kids at different levels. So yeah. how are they coping? Yes, yeah, so uh, for teachers, we definitely saw an uptick for them in terms of their place of, 
of anxiety and weariness as well. Because one thing, if you know anything about educators, they're very meticulous. They like to be planned out and, and, and timed out on what they need to do and, and just how things are going to run. And so when the pandemic rolled in in 2020, it shifted what teaching looked like from in-person, very hands-off engaging, hands-on engaging, to a virtual setting, which was very new for teachers and very different for them to, to teach to, to students from a computer screen and building lessons that would engage them in this, in this new medium. Then to returning back to school and then there being sort of a hybrid where some kids were home and some kids were in person to now coming into all kids in person but having this influx of you know, virus and, you know, they might be sick and they need to be well. Their students might be out and they need to be well. So we are seeing a place of wellness and well-being that we need to really take care of our teachers, make sure that they're taking care of themselves, both physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, that they have the fortitude to be able to grab on to what their call is, even in the midst of a changing situation. And so we have been very conscious um, at my school um, to be, you know, understand when we need to have a wellness, where there needs to be a time uh, off where you need to just have a, a wellness period. And that might not be because you physically feel sick, but maybe you're just feeling a little burned out or you're feeling a little weary. And sometimes it doesn't take a time out, but Every time, you know, needing a moment out of the classroom, sometimes calling somebody and having another teacher step in and, you, you know, another teacher just needs to walk and, and, and speak. We have our social counselors are now open, not just for our students, but now our teachers. So they have a place to talk through some of the, the, the pressures that they're feeling in the midst of such an uncertain time. And so we have built those support systems just to be there because I believe that, you know, it's saying that teachers are leaving the profession, um, you know, in droves, but I think it's because of the spirit of fear, not because they don't love what they've done. And so we want to make sure that we are there as a support system that and understanding that you're, you're, you're coming in with all of that, all of that trauma like our our students and their families, and that we have to tend to those um, and make sure that we're sensitive to those things in our teachers as well. You have covered so many areas, you know, that uh, I, I want to pinpoint one. You mentioned the area of wellness. That is so true because um, someone was saying that since we entered into 2020, you know, um, 2021, 2022, it's like, you know, one year after the other. So we have a compounding or staggering effect of um, the trauma from the loss, the grief, isolation, and uncertainty all put together that has taken a toll on um, teachers. And you are absolutely on point. I believe it was today they released a data about the percentages of teachers that are leaving the profession from, um, since the pandemic started in 2020. 
and that it was a very, very high. Yeah, uh, 66%. Yeah, 66%. Mm. And a lot of them feel, like you said, it's not that they don't love kids, but you said it very well, fear. And we know how fear can um, creep in and how that basically can shut people down and paralyze them from even able to think straight or, you know, um, make decisions or do the things that they love to do, which is basically... Um, you know, taking care of their students. So I love that you mentioned that you've created space like on your campus for teachers to um, take some time to themselves or um, talk it out. And talking it out is really the biggest thing, even, um, you know, with the whole arena of um, trauma and that. Let me ask, how are teachers coping? Because you said it so well, teachers are so meticulous. You know, they're so meticulous. And with all what has happened in the past two years, how are teachers coping with the um, impact of academic growth for their students? We know that has been slowed down tremendously. So how are they coping with that? Yes, so I think that what ended up happening with teachers, because, of course, we have a momentum as educators, so we're looking for growth and we're looking for our students to to have these certain results. And, and so I think that what teachers needed to now begin to shift their gaze and, and change their lens to really looking at students very individualized. So I needed to meet them into the place that they are and look for those places of growth individually for each student, which meant that almost every teacher had to think about what is good for Johnny and what is good for Mary and where is where are their pockets of growth and how can I fill them? So it was really important that as a as a school we became very data driven in terms of looking at data at from a a student's point of view. Where are they at? and how can they make gains. So not feeling the disappointment and, and, and not saying, honestly, teachers were feeling like, oh my goodness, we've lost 12 to 18 months of instruction. Um, and so some of our scholars, their gaps have widened. But we, we need to, to shift that gaze to say, well, how do we fill those gaps up? I'm not saying instantly, I'm saying in increments so that you can feel your, your, your students' growth and they can feel that they're growing too. So we really had to shift their mindset around there. And then with that, they were able to use kind of that structure that teachers love to kind of start building those educational plans specifically for their, for their students. Wow, that is great. You know, I know for sure that uh, even before COVID-19 or even before any of this issue, we know that uh, we cannot underestimate the importance of uh, parental involvement. So in what way, even now with COVID, kind of compound the situation, and it kind of come easy for uh, those educators that are also parents, but for those uh, non-educators that are parents out there, what can they do to help motivate our teachers or what can they do to increase their level of parental involvement or how can they uh, help to motivate our teachers, especially uh, during this uh, recovery period of a pandemic? Yes, I feel that parents are the one strong tower that we need 
to really grab a hold to as we're coming out or coming into this pandemic educationally. And that is parents being able to value school again. You know, sometimes, you know, we, we want to make sure that school does not become a non-essential thing, but that uh -huh. it is essential for our, our students. They need the school building. They need those teachers. Teachers are certified just like a doctor, just like a lawyer. Teachers are certified to do to with the ability to educate your child. And so when, when parents are like, yes, they are the experts in their fields, and they begin to support those teachers in the way that they need, which is, you know, read those extra hours with them. Take that time to go over their homework, you know. Uh, you know, reward them if they're doing well or and encourage them to go to school. One of the things that we're finding is that when they, when we came out of school, it became very difficult for us to build our attendance again um, oh because it, that, you know, parents had shifted their work schedules because now their kids were working from home. And so there was a different, there was a whole shift in the importance of the, the, the student to be at school. And so one of the things as an administrator is trying to make sure that that becomes a forefront. Like it is important that your child is there and that they get there and that they're, they, they're, they're safe there and then they get home. And so being able to make that a priority again, that is something that only parents can do with their, with their students. So that's something that I really encourage. Begin to prioritize school the necessity of it, the value of it, of them being there, of them learning there, and then them being able to transfer that knowledge and that understanding at home and into their communities. That's very good. That's very, very good. Thank you for giving those um, pointers. I, uh, uh, as a follow-up question here, you had mentioned um, even the uh, gap that a lot of students have had. We know for a lot of students, you know, um, uh, minority students, uh, English language learners, or students with disabilities, um, those gaps were there before, and now with all of this, with much learning um, loss, how have they been able to close those gaps? So or how should parents help close those gaps, or how are teachers helping close those gaps? Yes. So that has been our, our mission, coming back into school, is measuring, seeing how much growth we've lost. Um, and we're anticipating probably about 12 uh, to 18 months of, of growth loss. Um, and that, you know, of course, widens the gap for those, those Title I students, um, minority students, um, those that are low performing. Um, they've got a wider gap. A wider gap. Um, and what we've been doing with the help of our uh, federal and state funding is being able to build in more supports and more resources. We have the ability to have tutors on campus that will come in during the day and, and meet with our students so that they have time to really go over those rudimentary foundational uh, uh, reading and writing and, and math skills that might have been lost so that they're able to fill in the gap while still keeping on the curriculum. Teachers are also embedding two and three days a week uh, after school tutoring, plus Saturday school, all of these um, uh, extracurricular academic supports so that we're able to keep that foundation and build it up strong while them still having the momentum and staying on grade level. 
So, and parents have been great in terms of being like, yes, my, my student will be, I'll be able to stay after school for tutoring. And yes, they will come in for, you know, a, a special Saturday school. And, you know, yes, they will be able to make up that work and we'll be there. And so that partnership of saying, you know, giving the agreement to come and to take advantage of those extra resources that the government has allowed us as educators to tap into has really partnered with all of us being able to fill in those gaps, but also keeping the momentum so that they don't stay behind but keep moving forward. Wow. You have really, really provided some key um, targeted solutions for parents um, there and our teachers. Um, it's a lot that happens behind the scenes, and you have given some insight into that. Um, a lot, a lot of things. They're still keeping learning going amidst of everything that is going on. Thank you um, for coming and sharing with us, and thank you, educators out there. So um, for our friends, our listening audience, you see if you know a teacher, have a teacher, um, you know, encourage them, bless them them, they are carrying a lot during this time. Yeah, yeah. Thank you once again for coming. Uh, this is so exciting, and uh, we, I mean, it moves so fast. Uh, we just have uh, just a, a moment or so, just about a minute or two left. So just uh, give, your, give us your closing thoughts and what you sense that the Holy Spirit is saying in education today. What I've really been feeling and, and, and on my heart is that this has been an attack to our of our of the education of our children. And we as as a community, as teachers, as administrators, as parents, we need to tell the enemy no. He cannot have our children. He cannot have their learning. He cannot have their future. God has a plan and God has a hope and God has a future for our children. And so that is encompassed in all of our education, both both spiritually and educationally, and we have to stand for that. And so having done all, we will stand for our kids and their future. Amen. Amen. We will stand for them. Yes. Indeed, we will. We will. And again, just going back to Second Corinthians thirteen eleven. finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace and the God of love and peace will be with us all. And we just encourage all our listeners out there, parents out there, keep praying for our administrators, uh, our teachers, our educators at different levels. Keep praying for them, and that's about the least we can do. You know, pray for mm-hmm. them, and if you have, give, give them something Bless to show them. your appreciation. Be a blessing to them. Yes. Again, Miss Weathers, thank you so much for, um, you know, letting us see some of the behind the scenes of the effect of the pandemic in our public schools and education. So we are just so thankful for you and your ministry in education and all that you are doing. So that's about our time. It went by so fast. So. Yeah.